they're not really equipped with anything to leave. They cannot speak English, read and write. When you leave, you're going to lose your family, your friends, everything. After everything that all the Jewish people have been through, you're going to now just leave? Millions of people died for this? Welcome to another episode of On the Edge with Andrew Gold. And I think you'll have maybe noticed I tend to go for a topic and then I'll do one or two or three episodes. I tend to stay with it. And I've been back looking at some of the Hasidic Jewish stuff. I find that really fascinating, particularly being of Jewish origin or descent or whatever it might be myself. Today is Joseph Krauss and his story is really moving. Um, He's still struggling as well uh, and we talk about that a little bit at the end. He's looking for work so if anyone happens to be listening you're in New York uh, you know maybe get in touch. It's Joseph Krauss. Uh, I'll put some uh, links in the description so you can get in touch. He's got a PayPal, he's got a uh, cash app as well if you want to help in those ways as well as youtube and instagram and tiktok it's all there so do go check out his stuff but joseph um left the hasidic jewish community at 18 i just did an episode um last week with academic uh, zalman newfield who left as well and had positive things to say about the community that's um, not at all how joseph feels so Everyone has different experiences, different stories. We've got to remember that there are many different parts of the Hasidic community. There are some parts that are particularly cultish and extreme, and there are some parts that perhaps are not, and they're just sort of family-oriented and whatever. Joseph's experience was awful. He had a terrible upbringing. His family, by his account, were not very nice to him. I think one of the things to take home from this, as you'll see, as you'll hear, is how difficult it is leaving a a cult and how bizarre it is to be, you know, 18 years old and not speak the language of the country you've grown up in, you know, to suddenly have to... uh, It reminds me a little bit of the institutionalized thing in uh, the theme, I suppose, in in, in Shawshank Redemption, uh, when you've been in prison for a very, very long time and you come out 60 years later or whatever. This is somebody coming into the world at 18 without ever having really been part of it and suddenly they have to you know, try and navigate with GPS and things like that just to get to the studio. I got a, I got him a studio in, in New York. Uh, that's just how I say New York, I suppose. I got him a studio um, because, you know, the technology and stuff like that. But, but he does seem to be adapting well now. It's been a couple of years. He's clearly a very bright uh, kid. Uh, I'm getting old enough to call 20-year-olds kids. He's a kid. Uh, yeah, and I, I, I'm interested in what you guys think of this. Loads of big uh, hard-hitting episodes have got planned coming up at the moment. You can also support this podcast on patreon.com slash Gold, and you get the ad-free episodes there as well, as well as the Saturday ones too. So please do contribute there if you want to sort of tip the podcast a sort of monthly tip you can cancel any time but now you're on the edge of leaving the hasidic jewish community with joseph kraus joseph why didn't you start by just telling us a little bit about the community you grew up in what 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 it's called in particular because i know there's a few different kinds and and how it's different compared to what people might uh, be used to. Okay, so um, I grew up in Kirishaw, and um, it's a small village in upstate New York. Um, and it's it's the Satmar community. And they also have another like part of that community in Brooklyn. But the one in Kirishaw upstate is much more strict and especially much more basically locked up there's literally a fence around the thing and nobody really leaves like you know so that's that's where i was all my life and like i've never been like even though it was only maybe like an hour away from the city i've never really been to the city and if i was i was only in one little circle in the city and never really saw the world so a lot of people have a hard time understanding that because on my birth certificate it says i was born in manhattan but uh, whatever I'm a U.S. citizen, maybe third generation, but yet um, I left a couple years ago, so I'm speaking English. But at first, I couldn't speak, but I still cannot read and write, and like very basic things, um, even like how simple street works. I didn't know like 
to get to the studio to record. I, I didn't know how to like navigate the GPS. Everything is a struggle to do, and especially financially, you know. Yeah, well, that's an, that's an interesting thing as well. I think uh, there's a stereotype about Jewish people. Jewish people have lots of money or whatever, uh, and it's horrible. And I spoke to someone yesterday who's an academic in um, uh, ultra orthodox communities, or was he left as well, uh, Zalman Newfield. Um, and so he was talking about how that's a total myth, and you just hear about the very, very rich ultra-Orthodox yeah. Jewish people, but all, it's, it's very difficult with, without a, the right training and background to then go into business and work with the rest of uh, the Western world. So you say you, you've only recently learned English, but your English sounds, there, there's, there's always a slight accent, right? But it sounds pretty fluent. I mean, how, that, yeah. surely you didn't, you must have known some growing up. Not really. It's hard to explain, like, a lot of things, including English, some things, like, I would know it maybe even better than other people, but then very basic things, I wouldn't know. So, um, I don't know. I think also Jewish people are, I don't know, maybe this is like stereotyping, but like smart. Like we are in, in school like 14 hours a day, you know? So we do, a, we are very academically active. So yeah. maybe that, that sharpens a person's brain to later be able to pick up faster stuff. But, but that's not really, see, that's it's the same thing like saying Jewish people are rich. It's a, nothing is, 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 no thing is, is cut and clear on any racial group. Like actually growing up, um, I was told like a, a lot of things which kind of makes you brainwash to want to stay in the community. Like, for example, um, one time, um, the principal of the, of the school, was yelling at students who were misbehaving, um, saying, you're acting like the Shoyram from Harlem. It, it means like, it's, it's basically like a negative, it's not the N-word, but it's like a negative way of saying, um, Black like, people. yeah. So I used to think like, you go to Harlem, I'm gonna probably get die, but I was in Harlem a couple times. <laughs> I, I just moved to the city and it's it's perfect, it's beautiful. So, yeah, um, I forgot where I was going with this, but no, but it's, it's a really good point because that that is something very typical to sects and cults and things where you know the outsider is the bad guy. Um, of course, it's not just cults that have been denigrating yeah. black black people for for years in, in Harlem and stuff like that. And then you you know I haven't I haven't been there, but you say it was it's fine. So uh, yeah, that's a very particular thing that's done to keep people in their cults. Um, and, and so, so what kind of things were going on, I suppose, as a child, aside from this fence, which sounds crazy? I never heard of this fence that's around this place. What kinds of things would be strange for us, but to you at the time felt normal? I have to give a, a real disclaimer about the fence. There isn't that much a physical fence. There is a bigger fence than a physical, which is an emotional fence. But actually, I like to say that there's a fence because when people don't hear there's a fence, they don't think. But it's not a lie because technically in the in the Jewish religion, there needs to be an item so you're able to carry something on Shabbos, whatever. It's a complicated yes. thing. But t technically, there is actually a fence that you can hop it over. But there is a small fence. It, it's like a wire. A wire, but like a fence. Like if there's an overpass, it will be a wire, but around the whole Kirishol, there's actually a fence. But it's, it's, a, it's a very easy fence to jump over. You know, it's not like the Mexico uh, border. But, it, but psychologically, it's very difficult. But for people who don't know about that, that's um, Friday nights and, and on Saturday after until the next sunset on Saturday. Uh, Jewish people are not supposed to do any work. If you go to Israel, which I've done many, a ti many times, you, you have to get into a lift or an elevator that, that uh, just goes on every floor. So you don't do the work of pushing the button for the particular floor. Um, and... There are some. There are sometimes these wires or fences and things around certain areas that allow you to do specific things, which is so strange. But it sort of works with modern technology, so you can push a pram, or I don't know what what's the word in American for pram, like a, a thing with a baby in it. Um, there's an American word for it. You don't say pram. Um, I can't. Tr I, what is it? Trolley or something? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but you can push the thing with a baby in it and. And that's okay because there's the fence and the what is that right? Am I getting this right about what the fence is? Yeah, yeah. So I don't know, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> all these Jewishness, especially in the ultra orthodox, there's so many headaches and and they get stuck in the details. Actually, original Hasidism right started as a movement because 
that's what I understand, right? Two, three hundred years ago, Judaism was so um, tight. You know, everything was so stupid. Like, you basically lost the point. Like, a lot of things in in the religion and any religion starts off with with uh, something that makes sense, a concept, right? Okay, like let's say with modesty, right? Like woman and man, like certain things. But then the boundaries becomes weird, and then you completely lose the point, and you're completely off track from what you originally want to accomplish, and it just becomes extremism. So the same thing is with uh, with with uh, Judaism. Like it was, it was very like. You know what I mean by tight, like very like 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 a person with a broom up his ass. You know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's like upset. Do you know what obsessive compulsive disorder is? Not really. <laughs> it's a disorder. You know, when you feel like you have to keep touching things, you touch the the light switch on and off, and you yeah, keep, some yeah, people yeah. they feel they like have to OCD. Do that. Yeah, that's what it is. That's what it, that's the long word for OCD. So that's yeah. what I sometimes think of with some types of Hasidic Judaism. Yeah. So so they completely lost the point. Judaism, I'm thinking, I might be wrong, but that's what I understand, right? Like 300 years ago. So came somebody, started this Hasidim movement. And by the way, I think a lot of people always ask me, here's the answer, what Hasidism is all about, in my opinion, right? How it started. And he said, you know, it's not about all the the OCD and being so crazy about everything, like the elevator, like that wasn't the original point. The original point of Shabbos probably was just a day off to relax, right? <laughs> Yeah. God rested on the seventh day, so chill. It wasn't about <laughs> make your life harder, right? I think. So so it came this guy, he said, let's make a, a new version of, of in, in, I know a lot of people back then, 300 years ago, was very anti, most Jews were very anti-Hasidism. It was like, it was almost like Hasidism was a, the rebellious movement. But as time came by, they saw that was the only way that Judaism was going to survive. Because in order to survive, you need to become really extreme. So, you know what I mean? So, yeah. so I guess that's how it started. Um, but they completely, oh, so, but like moving forward 300 years later now, whatever, when Hasidism started, they also lost the point. They're like completely off. It started off to be back in the day, they were all focused on learning a lot, like 60 hours a day, like learning and being like very like, like litvic. Litfish people, maybe I don't know. Man, and so then when your your upbringing, then when you're a child, like what? Yeah, I guess I'm just going back to that. What were the kinds of things that were just like, oh, the to you was normal, but was quite weird. To me, it was normal, but it was quite. I don't. I don't. Like, what stuff that stuff that felt normal to you because you were a child who grew up in this community, but for other people who are not from the community, this would be like, hey, what what are they doing? That's that's different. You know, what kinds of things would were they? I don't know. After I leave, sometimes I say stuff that we used to do and people laugh and uh, I don't know. But uh, when I grew up, first of all, I didn't really see the rest of the world. So that's all I knew, right? I never had to, growing up until I was like 18 years old when I left, I'm 20 right now. Um, I didn't know anything else, right? So, um, yeah. So, but... Um, in there, everything was normal. That's all I, that's all I knew. I mean, I need, I knew things was crazy, but I thought the world is crazy, whatever. <laughs> this is, this is all I know. If you grow up in a prison, you only know the prison, right? That's, that's what you think is, this is normal prison, crazy, right? Yeah. Yeah. So what kinds of things then? Like, uh, I guess you had to, what are they called? The hair that you grow on the side? The, the pious. Yeah. What was that for? I don't know. That's just something they do at, at three years old. Uh, maybe it comes originally from the, again, like originally the Bible says, don't cut off the end of your hair. But eventually none of these things really goes back to an original commandment or original meaning, meaningful reason. It's just, that's why it is. And we don't think about it. And we just kind of went extreme and looking weird and acting weird and, and, and doing fucked up things. What, what kinds of things uh, made you feel different and, and maybe that you might want to leave? Um, growing up, there was a lot of things, uh, not everything I can talk about right now, but um, there was there was a lot of uh, a lot of uh, pain, a lot of uh, a lot of restrictions, a lot of uh, criticism, you know, like every every movement in your life is controlled like controlled how you think what you do how you eat 
how you there's so many so many rules so many things um you know and and there's only one framework within the community of how 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 your life needs to be shaped and nobody can go a little bit different even even within Judaism so you know they're even anti-israel so it's like there's only one way and that's the way there's no other way you're gonna have to live your life that is preset before i was born everybody already knew how it's gonna when i'm three years old they're gonna shave my head i'm actually shaved right now <laughs> but even more like i'm bald yeah. shaved and um leave two long things like that make me look weird and put a big black yarmulke on my head and uh then go to school be there 18 hours a day and all the crazy things is gonna happen not getting uh, a proper uh secular education and or anything like not knowing how to read and write yet 13 years old you're gonna have your bar mitzvah you're gonna have to start putting on the wires on your hands and um that's it and then you're gonna have to get married when you're 18 and maybe you're gay maybe you're not gay but you're gonna still have to maybe the girl's a lesbian but you're still gonna have to get married and you're gonna have to have 20 kids pop a baby each year until it's like not possible anymore like psycho not psychology like biology like how many women how many babies can a woman have like yeah, my my know. yeah my great-grandma the a holocaust survivor her name was yita schwartz um she had like at her funeral three thousand uh descendants <laughs> uh yeah wow. see so, i think she was the biggest uh holocaust survivor would you know and everything i'm gonna say yiddish expression i don't know how to say it in english but growing up all the time i hear the word saying anatsuchen and hitler it means victory in hitler right. okay so it's Whoa. have you ever heard yeah when when people say um i want they want you to lose right like they they they, they don't want to the haters right so oh. But then you like laughing at it, like, yeah, see, I told you, like, so I actually have a, a YouTube channel, right? And, and this is actually the time to properly say, so everybody go check it out. Um, so there's a lot of haters though for over there from Hasidic people, like they don't have ah. internet, but there's still some, like, if you look at the comments, like a lot of people are hating, whatever. So what did I want to say? Oh, Natsuchen and Hitler, right? So. So like if a lot of, of a person gets a lot of hate, sometimes you want to show them, you know, I, my English is not good. I'm thinking of a lot of expressions, but I don't know how to say it in English. It but sounds great, man. Yeah, you get the point, right? So you're trying to, you're trying to give like a, a victory, like the last laugh, right? So yeah. growing up, everything that happened, everything that was done was said on a Tzuchen and Hitler. It means Hitler, you lost. You wanted to... Uh, kill all the Jews. He killed six million. He thought Judaism was gonna be gone after that, right? But here we are. So that's why they had so many kids. That's why they have such a strict religion. Um, to keep everything. Um, so because, like I said, only extremism, well, in a way, survives. Like that's why when you turn on CNN, it's extreme on one way. You turn on Fox News, it's extreme on another way nothing is neutral nowadays you know if you want to keep your party if you want to keep your community you want to keep people thinking a certain way you need to go on the extreme so unfortunately there's a lot of victims on on any place whether it's amish community whether it's hasidic jewish community uh you know i don't know too many others but i'm sure the world has a lot of problems bigger than this but hey it's andrew if you're enjoying Heretics, there's another podcast I want to recommend to you, especially if climate change, global conflicts and an upcoming election are making you feel like we're on the brink of disaster. What Could Go Right is hosted by Progress Network founder Zachary Carabell and executive director Emma Varvalukas. On What Could Go Right, the hosts sit down with expert guests to discuss the world's most pressing issues without resorting to pessimism or despair that we hear so often. Instead, they look back at how far society has come and look forward 
at what it will take to achieve an even brighter future. Is progress on the way? They may not have all the answers, but on what could go right, they're asking the key questions. Tune in to hear interviews with upcoming guests like writer Coleman Hughes, CNN host Fareed Zakaria, and economist Alison Schrager. If you're looking for a weekly dose of optimistic ideas from smart people, join them every Wednesday on What Could Go Right, available wherever you get your podcasts. A few decades ago, private citizens used to be largely that, private. What's changed? The internet. Think about everything you've browsed, searched for, watched or tweeted. Now imagine all of that data being crawled through, collected and aggregated by third parties into a permanent public record. Your record. Having your private life exposed for others to see was once something only celebrities worried about. But in an era where everyone is online, everyone is a public figure. To keep my data private when I go online, I turn to ExpressVPN. Did you know there are hundreds of data brokers out there whose sole business is to buy and sell your data? The worst part is they don't have to tell you who they're selling it to or get your consent. One of these data points is your IP address. Data harvesters use your IP to uniquely identify you and your location. But with ExpressVPN, my connection gets rerouted through an encrypted server and my IP address is masked. Every time I turn ExpressVPN on, I'm given a random IP address shared by other ExpressVPN customers. That makes it more difficult for third parties to identify me and harvest my data. And the best part is how easy ExpressVPN is to use. No matter what device you're on, phone, laptop or smart TV, all you have to do is tap one button to get protected. So if, like me, you believe that your data is your business, secure yourself with the number one rated VPN on the market. Visit expressvpn.com slash heretics and get three extra months for free. That's expressvpn.com slash heretics. Go to expressvpn.com slash heretics to learn more. You should watch this channel. You should watch this channel. We've got Je- uh, Jehovah's Witnesses, uh, some some parts of Mormonism. Um, there's a, There are quite a few different groups. Scientology is, is one of them, the one Tom Cruise is in. That's a really interesting point you make, that um, they sort of became a lot more extreme after the Holocaust, almost in defiance of... Hitler in defiance of that and that now it's just so like filled with anxiety and like like everything is so tight now yeah yeah and I, I'll go back to I didn't finish the point my grandmother um she she had 3,000 like how many kids I think she had I don't want to say the wrong name but maybe 20 kids she even had a kid who, who died um no. and this is after the holocaust right I think she had like kids before the holocaust and all the kids yeah. died and then she started or maybe not whatever but yeah a lot of people had to start over again but she had the biggest family when she died right so but every time when 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 she came to my uh let's say yarmulke it's called option when you get the curls and everything she most likely said and that's and hitler that was my goal here we go we we rebuilding so everything that was done was done in pain so th- why am i saying this i don't know but maybe that's part of how y- you can't really judge him you asked me to talk about like there's a lot of anti-semitism so and there's a lot of like the new york times wrote an article about this and about how there's not education. I was part of that article and it's very important. Um, but there's also a lot of hate, which I, which I, which I don't disagree with that. And, and if you want to see a defense, here's your defense, maybe that because yeah. Hitler. So, but that's not really an excuse because somebody was just traumatized. There's a lot of veterans from any war and they don't have that excuse to abuse their kids like that oh yeah i was a veteran world war ii so now let me go abuse my kids for five generations i've never heard of that it helps us to understand though doesn't it it's an an entire community who was taken uh away because of who they were and then they try to that happens with all minorities where they maybe not veterans uh as such because they're quite disparate like different people and they're not they're not always but they do form a community uh veterans and and so they should um but i suppose when it's a, a minority of sorts they do often come together and they try to be stronger together and to push people on the outside away but then as you have you as you've said it can cause some very uh intense things so i think it's possible to to warn people against being anti-semitic because of the actions of these people and and they only make up a small percentage of jews anyway uh yeah. but also we should be able to criticize the the bad stuff right 
Yeah, 100%. And, you know, if I don't know who's going to listen to this or how much, but if, if, if it ends up going viral or whatever, this is a very important thing with education. Um, people don't realize, like, I think I've seen the statistics by 20, 2030, right? Which is like in a couple of years, they're going to be 30% of New York City public school, uh, school system is going to be, um, Hasidic kids, right? And New York City has the biggest, uh, um, what is it called? School system of the whole US. So there are, there are a big percentage, like even from Jews, they, the community grows so fast. They maybe only started with like 500 people 75 years ago after the Holocaust, but that's what, that was their goal to victory against Hitler, one of their goals, right? That's a, at least a word that I've heard a lot. And I'm sure my father and grandfather growing up here every single day. So, um, they grow. I've heard that the Hasidic community doubles every 15 years. So if they have a, they're very, they're, they're very big, but still very small right now, right? They're not even like a million people. Maybe there are just a million when you calculate every single person, but, if you have a hundred pe- hundred thousand people now in fifteen years, you have two um two hundred thousand, then four hundred, then a million. You know, then it, once you reach high digit numbers, before you know it, New York is gonna be another Israel. <laughs> so, <laughs> except, not, except not Israel, because they hate Israel. These guys, but but that is you're absolutely right, and that's one of the things that's worrying about Israel itself, uh, because. These guys often the, the Hasidic people in Israel vote a lot more right wing, uh, and then they don't have to go to the army, but they enforce that the rest of the very secular community yes. in, in Israel has to go to the army. But that, also, I was just yeah. I was just just say I was fact checking what you said about the thirty percent because it seems insane. But I'm reading here in the Times of Israel that Yafed, and it's not New York, it's Brooklyn, which is part of New York, of course, a big part of New York. An, an organization pushing for reforms in the yeshiva system has projected that by 2030. 30% of Brooklyn school children will be ultra orthodox nearly all of whom study in yeshivas is that that can't be all brooklyn children it must be 30% of jewish kids no no brooklyn it's it, listen it's it's already like this come to new york city and you will see they're everywhere right so i i'd say it will be another israel it will be another jewish state um why do you think they're against Israel? I don't know. Maybe because they didn't want other people to join yeah. Israel. They wanted to keep even from Israel. They wanted to keep their own Israel. Back yeah, yeah, then, yeah. they were so small, like 50 years ago. So all you can do is be anti-Israel. But give it another 20 years, and they're going to try to take over New York, which they have kind of already. Like every politician, if they want to win in New York State, if they want to win a seat in Congress or in Senate from New York State, you need to have the Hasidic elections. Otherwise, you're not going to win. They're so big they're, and they vote very strongly, right? And and they have no idea about politics. The rabbi tells 500,000 people, everybody needs to go vote for Governor Cuomo. Yeah. Okay, everybody follows like a sheep. That's a lot of power in the hands of one or two rabbis, isn't it? We've got to be careful, though, Joseph, not to be seen to be saying, which we're not, that, that Jews are trying to take over whatever, you know, because of the stereotypes. and. No, no, that's not what I'm saying. See, I, I'm just saying, oh, so why am I saying this? I'm saying because we need to be careful and make sure that... Uh, the problems are being taken care of now when it, when it, we still can and when it's still easy. And also, you know, it's always better to take a, take care of a problem faster. But once they grow, it's going to be harder to take care of it. They're going to be more powerful. Now, I'm not saying even if, if the entire New York state is Jewish populated, there's still 50 other states. There's still a whole country. The conspiracy of Jewish people controlling the world is is bullshit is anti-semitic it's wrong to say and i i totally don't agree with that um with that being said there is some problems within the hasidic community it's like saying christians control the world and blah 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 because and then you have this little amish community somewhere yeah. in pennsylvania they don't even they nothing like right like amish don't represent like Christianity or whatever. It's it's just good old fashioned anti Semitic stuff that people try to do and, and uh it's and it's wrong, yeah. 
Yeah, no, I agree with you. Uh, and it's it's something that, I mean, the first people to be scared of this are, are Jews themselves. I mean, uh, just, just like Christians might, might be the first to be affected by any kind of extreme version of Christianity, uh, the extreme versions, versions of Judaism. I mean, just, I, I don't want people thinking that I'm somehow related to this. And now that you've left, Joseph, I don't think you want people thinking of you in that way. Um, and we're both Jewish people. And I, I don't like the image that it shows to the world. At the same time, I've had a lot of the same people that you've had, you know, the haters or whatever. Uh, I've had some very angry people messaging in and saying it's anti-Semitic to criticize the, the, that community. Look, what, what, is, what is, if you could, and it's not easy to do, I know, but if you could sum it up in like a, a minute, what is so, so bad about having to grow up the way you grew up? What, what, was, what was, just so people understand? I didn't really prepare what keynotes to say and, over emotional, but it, it's, it's, it's everything. Like uh, people always ask me, why did you leave? Is there one thing that happened? No, there, it, it's a, it's a list, a list of lists of millions of things. Every single thing. Um, it's, it's just so horrible. People, people live in pain. Um, you know, like hate every minute of their life in there. Everything is controlled. They don't agree with anything that's happening in their life and they have no other choice. Other decisions just nod their head and you be like, Yes, I agree. I'll do as he said. Yes, master, whatever. And there's nothing they can do. You know, take, take, take the beating and that's it. So, and, and they don't, they're not really equipped with anything to leave because if they leave, they're like stepping into a jungle. They, they cannot speak English, read and write. They know, they don't know anything about the world. Um, they are, they, when you leave, you're gonna lose your family, your friends, everything. And, and also the community is brought up in a very high standard, like quality of life and a, a little bit kind of like high quality to make you feel like shit when you leave, like any little change. And also, um, high quality as in community, like outside world maybe isn't that much of a community. People are more like independent, right? Like you don't, but over there, they, they get you used to community very strong. And when you lose that, it, it's a, it's a big shock. You need, you're like, wow. So there's no more community. It's not that there isn't. You need to figure out, which I still am, figure out where in this world, there's this whole world, you know, right? I'm working to get my Swiss citizenship right now from, uh, my father had like, I think like after the Holocaust, that's actually where the Satmar Rabbi escaped, right? The Kofal of Gislev. So. Who's that? The, the Grand Rabbi, Joel Teitelbaum. That's like Curious Joel is named after him. Oh, right. What did he do? No, I think so. After the, by the Holocaust, he escaped from the Nazis to Switzerland. Oh, right. So, okay. so somehow I'm a, a Swiss citizen. I, I don't know how, but. I don't have it yet. I'm working on getting it, but I probably will be able to get it. Um, yeah. So, because, you know, Jews never know what happened. Because technically, I'm not a Jew. I don't identify. I'm an atheist, right? But yeah. I guess if I take a DNA test, it will say 100% Ashkenazi Jew, right? So, you never know. I've experienced anti-Semitic stuff towards me. Even though I keep saying I'm not Jewish, but they say you have an accent where you're from. So I said, oh. that's where I'm from, but I, I don't like that people. They're like, yeah. you're still Jewish. So I'm still going to get the hate from the anti-Semitic people sometimes. Um, so yeah, it's always good to have another, another citizenship. I forgot why yeah. I got into the citizenship no, no, topic. You're absolutely, you're, you're right. It's, it's, well, it's necessary. If you're from a, a minority that needs to be protected in some case, it's really, you need to be able to go to places in case bad things happen. I did one of those, um, those tests and I'm 95 or 96% Ashkenazi Jewish. And then there was like some other stuff like Iberian, which is Spanish Portuguese. And I was like, where the hell is yeah. that? I don't know. I don't know if we have like a Spanish milkman that I didn't know about or something that was met my mum. Uh, uh, no, that didn't happen. And then I, I don't know. So you get all these different things. I don't know. Hey, when you were, when you were younger growing up, was there stuff like the matchmaking? Uh, did, were you supposed to go with a certain girl or something like that? Yeah, I left at 17 right before I turned 18. So that was the age that I would have been told, hey, here's, here's the girl. Make 20 babies. Build the community. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> so... What, did you have any like girlfriends that you you were able to choose to to, to go out with or, or to no I didn't know nothing about sex at that point anything um 
it's i just know at 18 years old that's where the average age when you get married or at least you start looking and by 20 years old and most people in there are married that's how they're able to build a community very rapidly they would get married even younger if they could but the law doesn't allow but there's actually like uh see now because the community is so big there's already sub subgroups so like in in upstate in liberty new york they have a, a community called breslov yoli road and and he makes ma- people he said his goal is to make people married as young as 13 years old and he constantly has people get married under 18 so so 13 is his goal so telling a 13 year old boy and a 13 year old girl or or different age groups <laughs> a 13 year old girl maybe i don't know i've i don't know the actual marriages in this community but he already has hundreds of followers right maybe a 13 year old girl with a 25 year old man i that that will probably seem good to him i don't know but it's really scary that stuff so so that that was okay so you didn't have to have the matchmaking stuff you didn't know about that well that seems crazy to me because teenagers that's like in in the outside world it's so much what we talk about and we're obsessed with a girl or a boy or whoever it is yeah. and all of that stuff so so did you have to well no you know what i'm skipping ahead i want to go what about your parents your family did you have a good relationship with them or a bad relationship uh, I never liked my parents. Um, we're gonna talk about my family, right? So my 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 parents are assholes. Okay, so um, I'm sorry to say it, but like it is what it is. Yeah, yeah. Some people are gonna be like, "Oh, you're so rude to your parents. They're always your parents." But that's what it is. I was abused as a child by my parents. Um, I probably should have called the CPS, or but I didn't know their phone number. I didn't know how to how to talk to them. Um, but yeah, I can tell you a lot of stories. I was locked out in the cold when I was a kid. I was beaten up by my father and everything um but it's not like you know i just didn't like them and and they were always constantly fighting each other and they were forced to be married because the rabbi told them they wanted to get divorced at one point what i heard they hid it from me right they told us that mommy's just going for a vacation with you for a couple weeks until things clears out but they were almost gonna get divorced that's how bad things were and the rabbi's like, it's very rare to get divorced in there. And that's also part of the reason why I'm so lucky that I left right before I, right before I got married. Cause people who get married are a lot of times they want to leave, but they're already stuck. You're not going to be able to get your kids when you leave. It, it's very complicated. So you're already stuck. So, and, and, and divorce is very rare in there. So now this maybe has not, but still it's like compared to the rest of the world, divorce is, is almost not happening in there. So, um, yeah, so, uh, so my parents were forced to get, to stay together. And when they came back, when I was like maybe in third grade, the only thing they were constantly fighting, the only thing where they were united in their marriage, um, and and fighting is very traumatizing, right? There's like chairs flying in the air and, and stuff. And I'm standing in the middle. The only thing that they were united on was, um, on abusing the kids by, with what? With religion. So every, every commandment, every, every law or every made up law from the religion, they would abuse me with and, and, you know, just try to make my life miserable. Not only my, my siblings and everything. So it, yeah, it was just a miserable, miserable life in there. And it's not, I didn't left only because my family, but my family is obviously part of it. I don't want to have anything to do with them and they don't want to, they don't want anything to have to do with me. You know what I mean? So I, it's, it's fine. I, I like it that way. Do you, what, do you think they were um, attempting to, because, because they couldn't control their own marriage, they were trying to control you guys. And like, because the marriage wasn't going well, they, they were abusive to their children. Yeah. Um, they, the marriage didn't go well. I don't know what, what, what was wrong. Like, but they got married in the first place, not wanting to get married. Right. Um, so, it's complicated but there's so many things like uh um yeah i've heard like a lot of things so i don't know i don't know it's it it, it, i just know i never liked my family i don't know why there isn't one thing that i can tell you You know my father on one time took a knife and he started cutting off my throat i can't really tell you that i can tell you my father was running after me beating me well a lot of people can think that happened to them but it happened like on a constant basis my whole life when i was younger i got beaten up more 
when I got older, I was stronger, so I could run faster and kind of like fight back. It makes me so angry to hear. I want to like, I want to go and speak to your father. You know, I want, I want, I, I'm so angry. By, and uh, I'm not the only one. This is what happens in a lot of families. A lot of families it happens, I don't know about the marriage, but the father is just abusive towards the kids in that way. And, and, and what I mean in that way, I mean in the, in the religious. So you use religion as a weapon against, you, you know, I'm trying to think of an example where people would use uh, a certain thing to abuse other to use as as a stick to to beat other people you know to abuse other people yeah i know what you mean i know what you mean it's just like that's the excuse it's somebody's an abusive person and then religion is like the excuse to do it with it's it's terrible that and then so how was it i guess when you started i mean how did you tell them hey i'm out of here you know i just uh it, it okay the story that i left um it's been a while so I knew that I was gonna leave. I I don't know. It just kind of happened slowly. It was it was on the on the off time from from school, like on the holidays, and I I could we didn't have a, a yeshiva for me to go and whatever. So and and I already kind of knew I'm gonna leave. I'm so lucky that I left. You know, once you leave, even if you're out for one week, you see everything. You're like, hey, there's no way going back now, right? <laughs> so. I don't know. I've never, when I was 13 years old, I didn't, I always knew I didn't agree with this. I'm going to maybe leave. But the fact that I left, I don't know, something else could have happened. I would have stayed and that would have been the rest of my, I don't know. Like, it's not like I know, oh yeah, I'm going to leave. Like most people don't leave. And I'm sure a lot of people, and I'm half friends. We talked, even people who believe less in everything. Cause at certain times in my life, I was fooling my own mind to believe in everything we were being told. But then I had friends who were like laughing. They're like, are you serious? You believe in this crap? Like, so, <laughs> <And they> stayed. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, and they stayed and they are married. They have kids now, right. right? They're getting married right now. I, I talked to Poor some of guys. them and yeah, they're, they're, they're already getting married and having kids. So they don't believe in it. And, and they, and they continue the cycle, continuing the cycle, right? That's, that's what it is. And the same thing with the abusing the kids. Like the Holocaust survivors, maybe they were abusing their kids because they were traumatized from the Holocaust, but then continuing on at some point, there's no excuse anymore. So where was I going? Oh, when I left. So yeah, I slowly knew. Um, so I, I talked to like, uh, believe it or not, I didn't know who to call, but I, I thought it was if I, I was, so I, first I got a smartphone. Um, and I, I got it. See, I don't know where long, I I didn't like, I don't remember. I keep like going back, but I think it started with me getting good with the taxi driver, like a non-Jewish taxi driver. And my parents didn't know. And I would go to, to a farm where I used to work when the school was off. And he would, uh, uh, let me use his smartphone for a little bit. Wow. And, and like, I, I used to talk. It was like a 30 minutes drive every day back and forth. And we talked a lot. And now thinking back, he was like, probably like not even speaking good English. I don't know. He was from some country and, and whatever. Um, so he, he had a, um, yeah. So, and then he helped me like, <laughs> it was crazy. And then I actually went the last year before I left, I was, I was in Canada. That was when the COVID happened that year. Um, I, and I went to a, a school, a yeshiva in Canada. And then, so actually, oh, so I escaped Canada two weeks before the learning year ended. I couldn't take it anymore. And I left. I I had a, a friend and I told him my parents know that I'm coming home, but I, they didn't. So he took me home through the border. And and you know how I got into Canada? The sec, so I don't know. I feel like people are going to get bored because it, the things doesn't make sense. I'm going like all over the place. But the way <laughs> I got into the second time in Canada in the middle of the year, so you get you know, school break type of thing in the middle of the year, right? So the borders to Canada were locked, right? The COVID, how did I get in? A lot of Hasidic people, they did commercial vehicles, right? And smuggling, I got smuggled into Canada. <laughs> so, so escaping to get into the US was easier, but it was still like, lockdown as 2019 right and uh, 2020 so yeah I, I got i got back two weeks early and and that's when i started like i the, for that couple of weeks i had a job a little bit over there but it, i was already like completely 
what is it called? Disassociate. Is that a word? Like, yeah. like disconnected, you know, from the whole thing. Like that was the first time, like they have to fill in, right? That you wrap around your arms, the, the black wires. Um, that was the only, the, uh, the first time that I stopped completely for weeks, not putting it on. I, I never wanted to do that, even if I didn't believe it, because I just didn't want to break the cycle from the day I turned eight, 13 to the day I stopped. But uh, then I was like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm going to break the cycle. Like a lot of times they say, even if you don't believe, you can't leave. You really, after everything that all the Jewish people have been through, you're going to now just leave? Like, Millions of people died for this. Yes, I am going to leave. I don't care. Uh, I'm going to break the cycle, you know. They died for your f for you to have freedom to choose. That's what you, they died for. The same thing is in America right now. Like certain people are like, yeah, we died for you. I don't know what you died for. Like that's, <laughs> they want they want you to live a certain way saying that I died. you didn't have to die. You know what I mean? Like I, that's not what I want to live. You know, you died for the wrong cause. It's for you. It's for you to have the choice, I suppose. That's what it should be. That's what I think. I, but not saying that people who died are not victims and 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 whatever. And it's not sad. But you know what I mean. Yeah. I think yeah. it's also part of life. Everywhere people are dying. You know. So you've gotten back from Canada to home, and then what? How do you tell the parents? No. So those months and weeks, like. Um, I don't know. I was already like completely, I didn't talk to my parents and they already kind of give up. They saw the fight is over. I'm, I'm already like at this point, like, what was I like 17? I was built. I used to have like even bigger muscles than right now and you know, whatever. So it's just like, they couldn't really physically, it used to be always a physical thing. They will force me to do stuff, right? Um, do the things that, but it, it couldn't really been like that anymore. And um, yeah, and I already like talked and I, I got a smartphone. I started like doing a little research on my little abilities, um, seeing, and I was like, yeah, this is what I'm going to do. And, uh, and, and then I actually called a suicide hotline because I thought they were going to, I was like, well, I'm going to call the police. And I want to say, Hey, uh, I have a question. Like, what would it be like if I leave? And like, can you? So, and I talked to like a really nice lady over there. Um, and she is, she is, she helped me. She, um, she explained, like, I had these final questions, like, what will happen? Like, will anybody ever want to date with me or something like that? Because whatever. And whatever. She basically reassured me that, like, everything will be fine. Like, yeah, you can leave and whatever. Um, and yeah. So in the meantime that I was talking to her, um, and like, keep making, sure because for me it kind of seemed like the mental fence like y you need to escape and even though there's no fence like you need to just take off and, and escape um so in the meantime she told me where like, i'll be able to go buy clothing and she helped me on the day to tell me where there's like a barbershop and whatever so she sent me out with like a a youth shelter not far actually from where I lived, but like it was outside. I thought I already escaped complete New York. I didn't know. It was only like 30 miles from where I live, but it was like, it was a middle town New York, right? So it was far away. So, um, so yeah, I got there. Um, oh, so in the meantime, all right, so I had a lot of money in the bank. I always save my money. And that's probably part of the reason, because I knew I was gonna leave one day, and I need to, without money, you're you're aft, okay? You need to have a fund. Um, so and now the money is dried out, but I saved up from. I said I worked in the farm. I did all my life. I worked really hard. I saved up the money. Now I need to get the money. So it, it took me probably like a month or two to manipulate. I don't even remember. They wanted me to go to, to the Hasidic school and uh, back to school and whatever, do this and that. So I told them, okay, so I want my money. I want to deposit it into a bank account. So that took a couple of weeks. And then I said, oh, the bank says I need my ID. I need my passport. Like, can you please give me my passport? Okay. They said I need a social security oh my number. They, no, they didn't actually say that, but I lied to them so I can oh. get all my documents. 
the day that I got, and then, in the, but in the meantime, it took months because like in the meantime, they painted our house. So we had to move to another place and they said, oh, it's in the safe. I couldn't be like, I need it right now. Like it's gonna also get suspicious, you know, like why you, you have everything. Wait a minute. You have all your, all your documents. That's the most important thing, right? Oh, so this was just to clarify, this was before you actually left and you were planning to leave. Yeah, yeah, okay, like the okay, final okay. steps. And yeah. then the day that I got, I think the last thing I got was my birth certificate. I had everything, so I had a check with all the money that I had. So that way, even if the check wouldn't work or like, it turns out I I, I had to get another check from my father actually after that um, because cause it expired. I couldn't open a bank account until I ter- turned 18 without parents. Um, but that way I had proof. I could say, cause he always took my, I gave him my money. He told me, you need to give me your money. I will save it for you. Right now, I, <laughs> how am I going to prove that I had a couple thousand dollars and he needs to give it back to me? Right. So I had a check. Then I can say, yeah, you know, that's, that's what I was thinking. Um, so, and I actually ended up getting it. So the day that I had all my, my, my social security card, my, my passport, my, my birth certificate, I think that's all I needed. Uh, I just took off and left. And yeah, I went to that shelter. I went, I got a haircut and bought clothes. Yeah. And look at what I was wearing. I, I didn't know like what anything about fashion. I just bought anything. I bought like girls' pants. I didn't know. <laughs> I could really? read whatever. Yeah. <laughs> So oh, man, that's that so crazy. that's incredible to think about. Does it make you emotional to think about those first few days? You were what eighteen years old, suddenly out on your own and basically homeless. Yeah, I was still. Uh, I think like six months to go to be eighteen. Um, so I was still a minor. It was during the heavy part of the COVID. So first thing, all these youth shelters were on lockdown. It was it was crazy at first, you know. Yeah. The first part of my life, I'm, I've only been like two years, but the first part of it was very hard. It was because of the COVID added on to everything else. So anything I was trying to do was lockdown and restrictions. You can't do this. You can't do that. The schools were still closed, right? So you, I needed an education very importantly and all the schools were closed. This is, it's incredible to think because yeah, you didn't really speak the language. You didn't have the, the education and the tools and things. What, what do you do next? Where, where can you get a, a place to live and a job and things like that? Well, the struggle continues. It's still, it's still not the, the happy part at the end of the story. But, um, uh, yeah, I'm seeing, I'm seeing a great future ahead. Okay. Well, that's good. Well, I mean, so what have you been doing like the last two years? Have you been able to find any work? I've been having minimum wage jobs here and there. Um, you know, uh, yeah, I actually very great news. I just got my real estate license. Oh, wow. Cool. Um, Congratulations. Yeah, yeah. And that may sound crazy. Like, I don't know how to read and write, but yet I passed uh, the real <laughs> Part of it is because I was always listening to, on the little hotlines, that we're not allowed to real estate stuff. That's all I know. Like, in that community, is very real estate oriented. Like, a lot of people do that. So, and yeah, I worked really hard. I got it. But I don't see really how I'm going to be able to cash it out. But I just got it. So I'm going to have to sign up with a broker. See, I don't know. But like, yeah, right now I'm really struggling. Like I don't have any money. I don't have anything. I don't have any education. So, yeah, I mean, if anybody want to help me, I have social media. So <laughs> come message me on Instagram. We'll put links and things below below the YouTube video to your Instagram and your um your YouTube um, as well and, and anything, anything else you want really you, you want I mean people to people you, you want to you want work right yeah I'm, I am looking for a job yes um, especially like a job that like is gonna like somehow help me I need to somehow be able to make money to, to eat and live pay my rent and one job you can do is the, the real estate one because you just passed the exam yeah but then you actually have to to get the exam and to actually go into the the job is two different things. Yeah. Like I'm going to have to write emails and, and do document. I just really understand the concept of real estate, like a lot of things, you know, about it. And I had to study, I had to pay a couple hundred dollars for the course. And I like constantly 
with my little reading skills, read the book, and then I just had to get like a 70 score on the test. It's not, it's not hard to get it, the, the, the license. But mm. to be able to go in to turn it into a job and make any money off of it, that's a different thing. Yeah, you got to give out your CV to like a million real estate agent places. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's difficult, man. That it, that is so hard. And do you ever speak to your family at all? Like they they're not going to help you, are they? No, my family knows that I struggle. Whatever, they don't want to help me. Uh, I don't want to talk to them really. But I I actually kind of am in contact with them, especially like more like. Whatever, yeah, it's on and off, but more like I only want to talk to them about technical things. Like, hey, I need, I still need my check. Like after the, after I turn 18, I open a bank account, let's get, let me get my check back, please. And then whatever. It, like now I said, I mentioned the Swiss passport. I'm probably going to have to talk to them at some point about that. Uh, whatever. Any technical, they're my family, right? Like, uh, I don't know, maybe one time about like, health the whatever i don't know like there's always something any technical things that i need to speak to them um for business <laughs> right what well, you, would you say that you despite the struggles that you're happier on the outside do you ever regret not being yes. in that community if i could if you asked me if i could the last two years which was hell if in a way, if I could change it, um, would have I went back and, and just skip the hard part? Because at some point my life is going to get good. Because what am I trying to say? I'm saying, is it hell to leave? So you should say, no, I'm saying when you leave, it starts off as a hell. That's that's the whole thing that I'm trying to advocate here. To not, to get, educate the people over there so people can leave. People are not completely disabled and uneducated and and uneducated here meaning a person cannot read and write people won't whatever you can imagine of a person being completely unknown like from a third world country that's what it's like so for people when they leave it's very very hard so but eventually you get to live whatever yeah. life you want a free life what what have been some of the the, the nice things what's some of the positive things in being outside i mean for example have you found any sort of romantic love and things like that i don't like to talk about um no not really no but uh no <laughs> yeah okay okay fair enough see it's hard it's very hard to dating because um you know i don't know like i it's hard to get girls or guys whatever i'm into but um but yeah, see, I know one day it will it will change. Yeah, yeah. Every 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 good life has humble beginnings. You're a very so. handsome and nice man. You mu it must it must be any any man or woman or whoever would be lucky to have you. It's uh, I don't know. It's it's hard. It's I also thought like I'm very handsome, <laughs> but uh, I guess Confident. handsomeness doesn't. I don't know if it's, see, I'm always thinking if I'm going to get the money that will, well, people always say money doesn't buy happiness. I think it does. Like not that money will be the end solution to everything. Like you could have the ultimate amount of money and still not be happy. But whatever problems I have or whatever I want to accomplish, if I have adequate money, I'll, I'll be able to fix, like I want to get educated right now. I have no money to even start. Like even if I want to get into a GED program or something, which I haven't found one, people always say they are, but they aren't, right? Um, there aren't any programs there that is like useful to me. I've been in one of those programs. It, it was on a very, very high level compared to where I am. So, um, you know, I cannot read and write. So, and a lot of other things. I, I haven't heard like basic, I, I, I don't even know what an essay is, okay? So, so mm, a couple months ago, I didn't even know the word essay, but mm. I still don't know what an essay is. I don't know anything. So Could you get help from other former Hasidic Jews? I, I think of people I know like Javi Weisberger and Julia Hart. Yeah, there are organizations. I don't want to talk um, shit about other, um, not people, other organizations, but those organizations sounds in theory very good, but they don't really offer a whole lot, you know? I'm sorry, but that's just what it is. You know, they, they I guess it's a great, uh, what is it called? Like 
networking uh, organization. So I met some good people through that organizations, but not really that they can help. Maybe they need better management. I don't know, but yeah, there isn't like, they're not like, oh yeah, we, we will really help you. We got this amazing pro. You're still kind of all alone out there and, and tr try to figure it out without much support. Um, but yeah, I know it sounds very negative, everything I'm saying, but, but listen, that's what it is. Oh, so back to the question, the last two years, as bad as, as it may sound from some aspects, I would have still chosen the struggle over, over still being in there. So from here on out, it only gets better. Somebody yeah. told me, um, uh, what is it? I forgot the exact thing, but basically that when you're in the community, you, uh, Oh, climbing the hill, right? So whatever, I don't remember the point, but when you're in the community, you're never gonna, you're always, it's only gonna get worse from there, right? Once you leave, it may be bad, but it's only gonna get better from there, right? Everything, every day gets better, better. Maybe someday you feel like you took five steps forward and, and you went 20 steps back, but in like the stock market, if you look at it as a big picture, you went up, right? So same thing, same thing is, is with, with anybody who leaves in my life, how I see, I see it already and I know it's going to get better. So it, and I know I'm going to be like very rich and successful and happy, but it starts off like that. And I knew, see, that's why it took me a couple months to like make the decision because I, I really wanted to understand with the little information about the world. I just wanted to confirm that there's another, we got word that the world is not a box, it's a circle. <laughs> so <laughs> so I, once I once I got that information, I was like, I'll leave and I'll figure it out after after I leave. Yeah. And do you, you like the outside world then? You, is it is it was it crazy for you to see like I know you started going on the uh, the smartphone of the taxi driver, but to start to see the world like the internet and TV and all the stuff out there? See, once you leave, you also need to learn that not everything on, on the internet is like real, whatever. Like you need to like also realize that a whole lot of things is not the way you think it works from certain places you see it. You know what I mean? What, what is your new source, right? Where, like what I used to live upstate New York, not now I live in the city, but I used to think if I'm going to come to the city, like I said, like Harlem or whatever, um, Manhattan, I'm, I'm going to get probably shot, killed. You come here in reality. It's not like that, right? A lot of things you're being told, even in the outside world. Again, not every, not everything is only, not every bad thing only happens in there. So you need to really learn everything. You're like a toddler, right? You constantly like an AI mind. You're constantly scanning and seeing new things, hearing new things, learning new things, comparison and contrast to see this versus that to understand. Cause at first, when I used to look, at the world, I thought everybody is the same. I thought the homeless person on the street, um, drug addict looks the same to me than the successful person on Wall Street and the same person that shops uh, at ShopRite. They all, they all look to me the same. It's like some, like if a person who didn't grow up Hasidic will look at the Hasidic people, they all look the same, but really yeah. there's so many different wow. lives within there. So, and, and sometimes all the lives with with the in, within the Hasidic community could look bad or good, but it's not. So you need to find your own path with with outside this community. You know. Yeah, I suppose you're you're, you're saying like you you go out with so little information that because I remember I interviewed someone called Emily Green and I mentioned this sometimes because it amazed me when she left the Hasidic community in London. Um, she went to a job interview and she didn't get the job and it was because she was wearing jeans instead of. Uh, like suits, trousers, or well, whatever you're supposed to wear. And she was like, I had no idea that jeans were not the smart thing. You know, I thought jeans were the, it all looks the same to me. That is so very that interesting. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, it, we don't understand, like, yeah, it, clothing especially, right? Like, 
um, certain things. I, I always watch to the interviews that you have with other people like me. I don't have like when I'm getting asked questions, I don't have all these ideas. Like maybe now I'm going to, I had more ideas, but like usually, I don't know, like I can't really think of certain things, but yeah, that's so true. Like with the clothes, you, you think that one thing is cool or, or one thing is the way you do it, but really that's the, the complete different way because at first everything looks the same. You think like, you know, but that's what I said. You, when you live through yeah. it, you only go up from it. <laughs> you've got you've got loads of ideas, and you're very you speak brilliantly about these things. I mean, when you if you've listened to the other ones with like Julia Hart and Javi Weisberg, I mean, Julia's Julia's I think in her forties or fifties. I don't want to offend her if she's younger than that. <laughs> I don't know how old she is. I listened to the one with Javi. Yeah, yeah, she's got to be what thirties. 40 I don't know I'm seeing her soon actually in in London because she's going to be in London um but uh yeah I think you've got a you you everything I think you're right you're going to keep working hard and you're going to find a way hey where can people find all your stuff like Instagram and YouTube so my name is Joseph Krause so if they search on on any like YouTube and Instagram especially J-O-S-E-P-H is Joseph Krause is K-R-A-U-S and on Instagram, it's Joseph Kraus 18 And on YouTube, it's just Joseph Kraus. So there's a couple like, yeah, fake accounts. You make sure you follow. Like I have like about 9,000 followers right now. So if they see it, that, that's the one. Thank you, Joseph Kraus. What an excellent interviewee he was uh, i hope you guys if anyone's in a position to maybe offer him work or to help him out with his cash app and his paypal that's all below and you can go and find his youtube and socials there i feel like we need to help people like joseph who come out at 18 of the of the community and you know what do they do next it's very very difficult but he's clearly a bright kid i think who should be put to work with with some less than menial tasks i think uh but but we'll see and i've got bright hopes for him um so yeah do do help him out i hope you guys are interested in, in his uh socials and things as well um follow this podcast patreon.com slash andrew gold that's where you can sort of tip uh give me a sort of monthly tip kind of thing and you can check out whenever you want and uh that you get the saturday episodes as well ad free all of it's ad free um and that's it for now and i'll see you next time